If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you join us at Southcrest Baptist Church. Services are 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. We're located at 3801 South Loop 289 in Lubbock, Texas. If you can't join us in person, be part of our online congregation at southcrestlive.tv to stream our Sunday services live at 9.30 or 11. For more information, visit our website at southcrest.org. This week on Southcrest Live, featuring Dr. David Wilson, we continue our study called Hope, a series in 1 Peter. We're in chapter 4 today, verses 4 through 6, where Peter reminds believers that those who are dumbfounded by a Christian's commitment to Christ will, in fact, have to give answer themselves one day for what they've done with that message. So, how do we believers respond to those who think we're crazy for our belief? Let's take a closer look with this week's message, When People Think You're Crazy, from Pastor David Wilson. I love that phrase. I no longer have to wonder like a drifting, whatever. I no longer have to wonder. I know where I, who I belong to, where I'm going, where my destination is. Vagrant. I'm no longer a vagrant. I belong to the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. You ever had anybody say to you, are you crazy? Well, if you haven't, you probably will if you follow Christ. Somebody's going to think you're crazy. Would you stand while I read God's Word? I'm, I'm going to focus on verses 4 through 6, but I want to pick up reading in verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, those without Jesus. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us be strong, even when our friends, our former friends, think we're crazy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Do you ever have any crazy thoughts? I've written some of these down. Some of you are going to have to be really fast to get them. Some of you will get some of them because I have some for the simple and I have some for the really smart. <laughs> All of us crazy. Do vegetarians eat animal crackers? <laughs> Why are there no B batteries? If a jogger runs at the speed of sound, can he still hear his iPod? <laughs> if a kid refuses to sleep during nap time, are they guilty of resisting arrest? <laughs> if you were bald, what hair color do you put on your driver's license? <laughs> if a bunch of cats jump on top of each other, is it still called a dog pile? 
If a mime is arrested, do they tell him he has the right to talk? <laughs> Remain silent. That's one of those that's going to be above a lot of you there. If ghosts can walk through walls and glide down stairs, why do they not fall through the floor? Is a pessimist blood type B negative? Here's my favorite one. If pro and con are opposites, wouldn't the opposite of progress be Congress? <laughs> That's true. When crazy people walk through forests, do they take a psychopath? All right, do you know who Wiley Coyote is? Okay. If Wiley Coyote had enough money to buy all that Acme stuff, why didn't he just buy dinner? <laughs> Can you plan a surprise party for a psychic? Why put a towel in the dirty clothes basket if when you get out of the shower, you're clean? Why do people say heads up when you need to duck? Why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? Y'all are really slow today. <laughs> if one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the rest have to drown too? What do people in China call their good plates? Why is tuna sometimes called tuna fish? Chicken is never called chicken bird. If the funeral procession is at night, do folks drive with their headlights off? Why do fat chance and slim chance mean the same thing? If quitters never win, why do they tell us to quit while we're ahead? And I'm going to stop right there. When a change takes place in your life, some of your friends think you've gone crazy, especially if, if, if they're lost and, and, they're, and you've come out of a lifestyle like Paul, excuse me, Peter mentioned in chapter 3, uh, in, in verse 3, he, he talks about you used, to, you used to run this direction, but now you don't. You follow Christ, and they think it's strange. They think you're crazy. They think you've lost your mind. They think you've become religious fanatic. They, they don't understand, and there's a reason for that. But when a change takes place in your life, and make no mistake about it, folks, when Christ comes into your life and you commit your life to him, there is a change in your life. You know, today we, we make it sound like, well, I can continue to live in the sinful lifestyle I'm in, whatever that is, as long as I just ask Jesus to come into my heart or I pray a prayer. I want to tell you, when you commit your life to Christ, he changes your life. Let's look at the New Testament. Everyone that came into contact with Christ that followed him was not the same anymore. Well, Peter is trying to encourage people who are going through difficult times. They're being persecuted and being ridiculed. And he's telling them, you know, they're going to think you're crazy. You spent enough of your life, your past life, and living like the, the, those without Christ. Now you need to re remember they're going to think it's strange. And so when Christ changes your life, there's several things you need to remember when it, when it comes to your old buddies. First of all, you need to recognize their view toward us. In verse 4, it says, they think it's strange. Who is the they? It's those you used to run with, those you used to hang out with, those you used to drink with and do all kinds of things with. Those are the ones that they're talking about. They think it's strange. 
Think it strange is an interesting word. It means to be staggered with surprise. They're, they're astonished. They're shocked at your change of behavior. And we need to remember that we're not the only ones that people think were strange because long ago people still thought Christians were crazy. Paul stood before Festus defending the gospel. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 26, verse 24, that Festus interrupted Paul's defense. And he said, you're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. Even the family of Jesus thought he was crazy. Mark 3.21 says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Some people are going to think you've lost your mind, that you've gone off the deep end. Why? Well, first of all, you no longer run with them. In verse 4, it says, they think it's strange that you no longer run. Join with them is, is the word. It says sometimes it means that you've joined the stampede. You become one with. You do things together with them. It's not that you're better than them. You don't look down on anyone. You don't, you don't condescend to anyone. But all of a sudden, you don't want to do that anymore. Because it's lost its fun. It's not the same. Peter says their former drinking buddies are surprised that they don't run with them anymore. And isn't it amazing, people? Isn't it odd how people can ruin their lives through alcohol and drugs and venereal disease and not think it that strange? But when a person repents of their sin, gets right with God, and begins to clean up their life, they think they've gone off the deep end. Well, you used to be that way until you met Christ. And think about it. You could still be that way if you didn't know Jesus. You don't run with them anymore. It doesn't mean that you're, you don't associate with them, but you don't run in the same, same stampede. You just, you, just don't, you just don't want to do that anymore. And when they say, hey, come go with us on Saturday nights, and you know, man, I just don't want to. Well, the second reason is you no longer relate to them. The unbeliever's lifestyle is described here very graphically. <laughs> you no longer run with them in the same flood of dissipation. The word flood of dissipation means a pouring out. Dissipation is the word that Jesus used describing the prodigal son who ran away and went out there and lived in riotous living he, that's the same word. It's living without any thought of tomorrow. The imagery is very interesting. It means wild and reckless living. It describes a way, a lifestyle that cares about nothing as long as they can enjoy the pleasures of life. And if you really want to put it graphically, it means you no longer want to jump in the cesspool. The flood of dissipation is described as a crowd running as a stampede about to jump in the cesspool. If you don't know what a cesspool, look it up. You don't want to jump in one, I promise you. Isn't it interesting how that's described? You no longer want to, you no longer, you no longer want to jump in the cesspool. God pulled you out of that cesspool. And cleaned you up with the righteousness of Christ. 
and has given you a new heart and a new mind and new desires. And he says, why in the world would you want to get back in the stampede and jump in the cesspool? Now, isn't it amazing how many Christians want to walk up to the cesspool and sort of stick their foot in it? I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say. He said, you don't want to do that anymore. Why would you want to do that? God's cleaned up your life. You had enough of it. You don't relate to them anymore. But isn't that the way the world is? The world is, is one big cesspool. It's full of sin. And we live in it. And God rescued us out of it. He, he didn't take us immediately out of it. It would be nice if when you got saved, God would say, Scotty, just beam them on up here right now. But he doesn't do that. Well, we no longer run in those circles. We don't relate to them anymore. We're still in the world, but we're not of it. But the world doesn't have any purpose in it except grab all the fun you can, no matter who it hurts or no matter what, how it hurts you. You just go jump in the cesspool with everyone else. And that doesn't make sense to them because... First of all, they can't understand until they know the Lord. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2.14 says. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Your lost friends don't completely understand because they're still swimming in the cesspool. Well, they see, well, you look like you got clean. You must have gotten religious. Let me tell you what happened to me. Jesus saved me, forgave me, and has cleansed me from my unrighteousness. And now I have been set free and delivered. I no longer want to run in the flood of dissipation. I don't want to jump in the cesspool anymore. They don't understand it until they come to know Christ. If you don't believe me, try to look at the definitions or how people describe people who are Christians today who are not Christians. Does Hollywood ever get it right? Not without Christian directors. They don't ever get it right. We're some kind of neurotics. We're some kind of people that need a crutch. Isn't it interesting that people who are hooked on drugs and, and have all kinds of marriage problems and all kinds of problems, they're the ones that say we're neurotic because we follow Jesus. They think we're crazy. We don't run with them. We don't relate to them. But then notice that they, the, notice the likely reaction from them. Not all of them will be this way, but it says they speak evil of you. The word is blasphemeo. We, they blaspheme us. They malign us. They attack us. They, the NIV says they heap abuse on you. Why? Believe it or not, when you stop doing something with someone, it makes them uncomfortable. It sometimes convicts them of their sin. Now, you're not preaching to them. You're not looking down at them. You're not better than they are. You're just forgiven. But God puts a new desire in your heart to say, I don't want to get in the cesspool anymore. And your friends are going, hey, man, it's nice in here. Come on in here. But if you say, no, I really don't want to, there's another place I'd rather go. And, and they're going to say, well, what are you, lost your mind? Are you too good? Are you better than us? What's happened to you? Are you religious now? 
all of a sudden, they begin to slander you because they don't want the focus on them. They're convicted of their sin. And instead of looking at them, they would rather put the attention on you to make you look bad and call you names and accuse you. But isn't it interesting? Here's the cesspool crowd. They're an ugly bunch rushing madly into the cesspool of sin, but you've been saved out of that. You didn't want that anymore. You followed Christ and they think you're the one that's gone crazy. So remember how they're looking at you. Until they come to know Christ, they may think you're a nut. But also to help you be patient with them, you need to retain a vision of them. Verse 5 says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. God will have the last word. We need to remember that. This verse says that even those that blaspheme Christians, that God's going to have the last word. You know, there are going to be two kinds of judgments. As a child of God, you do not have to worry about the judgment of going to heaven or hell. That's already been settled because you've committed your life to Jesus. He has saved you. God has washed you clean through the righteousness of Christ. And that has been settled. The wrath of God has been taken care of. It's been atoned for. You're going to heaven. Those without Christ are going to stand in the white throne judgment, Revelation 3, excuse me, Revelation 20, that talks about the the books of life are open and their names are not in the book of life. You don't have to worry about being there. You're not going to be there if you know Jesus. Now, our judgment's going to come from the reward side of, of the stuff that we've done for the Lord, whether it was with a pure motive or not. First Corinthians talks about the Bema seed, how we'll stand and our works will be looked at and tested and tested as by fire. And those that were not done with a purest motive are going to be burned up. You're welcome to join me in my bonfire because <laughs> all my motives haven't always been pure as far as doing stuff for the Lord's work. Sometimes I've had to be nice to some of you that weren't very nice. (laughs) So that's going to be burned up, I know. But you don't have to worry about the judgment of heaven or hell. But but, but, But Peter is saying they're going to give an account one day. Sometimes we, we feel like Asaph. Asaph is the guy who wrote Psalm 73, and I'm not going to take the time to read, of it, read it because of time, but he begins to say, you know, you look around at the wicked, and they seem to have everything. Their grass is even green. In Lubbock, Texas, it's even green. And my grass, I'm trying as hard as I can to serve you, Lord, and my grass isn't green. And, I, and they always seem to have everything. They got all the toys. They got all the money. They got all the stuff. 
And Lord, I'm over here struggling to follow you. And they got all the stuff. And that's the Asaph. That's him talking in Psalm 73. And he, he gets to feeling sorry for himself. And he begins to ask himself, am I following the Lord for nothing? Am I trying to be holy for nothing? Is it really worth it? And then he goes into the sanctuary of God. And in verse 18, he says, you have placed them on slippery ground. You've cast them down to ruin. He said, I, I realize their final destiny. They may have it good here on the earth, but this is as good as it's ever going to be for them because I know what's coming down the road. And right now it may be tough for us on the earth, but we know what's coming down the road and it's going to be better, don't we? We need to remember what's going to happen to them. They're going to give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. And that's why we can rest in Romans 12 that we're going to let God take the vengeance one day. God, I'm going to be patient with them and those who are mistreating me and abusing me and, and maligning me. I'm going to try to be patient, Lord, because I know one day they're going to answer to you and they're going to have to give an account to you. And folks, what we want to do is take 1 Peter 3.15 that says, always be ready to give a defense to those who ask the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We want people to come to know Christ. So we've got to be patient with our lost friends who think we've lost our mind. Remember how they're looking at you, but also remember what's going to happen to them that could have very well happened to you if you hadn't come to know Jesus. You just got rescued out of the cesspool. They're still swimming around in it. And until they come out and know the difference, man, I can't believe I wasted my past lifetime. I can't believe how much I wasted my life down in the cesspool of life until Jesus delivered me. There's a story told about a farmer in a Midwestern state who had a, a strong hatred for religious things. And as he plowed his field on Sunday morning, he would shake his fist at the people going to church passing him out there plowing in the field. October came and the farmer had the best crop he ever had. In fact, it was the finest crop in the county. And when the harvest was complete, he put an ad in the local newspaper which belittled the Christians for their faith in God. And near the end of his diatribe in the paper, it said, quote, faith in God must not mean much if someone like me can prosper. The response from the Christians in the community was quiet and polite. In the next edition of the town paper, a small ad appeared, and it simply read, God doesn't always settle his accounts in October. <laughs> and you and I need to understand that the accounts one day will be settled. And finally, we need to remember the victory that is waiting now, verse 6 is one of those verses that people have taken and coupled it with chapter 3 up there where it says Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. And he says, see, the gospel is preached to the dead. But folks, we know that's not true. We know that's not what the New Testament teaches. There's no second chance after you draw your last breath on this earth. So what is Peter saying in verse 6? For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who were dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. I hate to break this to you. You're not the first people who've ever been spoken evil against because you followed Jesus. 
You think nobody but me has ever been maligned or blasphemed because of Christ. I'm the first one. That's what he's telling the people he's writing to who are being persecuted, being scattered abroad, being chased because of their faith in Jesus. And Peter is saying, listen, the gospel was preached to those who are now deceased. And they were judged by people then also. But now they are with the Lord in spirit. Okay, you got this? When you die, what happens to you? This old body dies. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we're immediately in the presence of the Lord. Our spirit is. We're a body, soul, and spirit. And we're waiting for that glorified body. When is that glorified body going to happen? It'll happen at the rapture. Now, those of us who are still alive, we'll be changed in an instant. It'll be awesome. But those who've died before us, their spirit is with God. I think you can see them. I don't think it's just a nothingness. I think they, you recognize them because there are other indications in the New Testament about people who've died and, and their spirit was with God and, and they recognized them and so forth like that. But I just want you to understand that our spirit goes to be with the Lord and we're looking for a new body. And Peter is saying the people who were before you had the gospel preached to them. Some of them received Christ. Some of them were persecuted. And some of them were even martyred for their faith. But they are now with God who judges righteously. They're with his spirit. They're with God. And you folks need to understand that you may be maligned here on the earth. You may be persecuted. You may be mistreated. You may be called crazy. But one day you'll be with the Lord. And they're going to know they were wrong. In the spirit. Listen to Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Peter's writing to these scattered believers and he calls them to take comfort in the gospel because saints were persecuted before them. And if they died, they would go to heaven just as the many suffering saints before them died and are now with the Lord in his presence. And isn't it interesting that the older we get, the more our body seems like a prison. Have you noticed that? You younger folks don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but trust me, <laughs> your day's coming. The older you get, the more like a prison it begins to feel. And one day we'll go to be with Jesus, and then we'll get a new body. So two things. Is there any area of your life where you've got your foot back in the cesspool? First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us. You don't have to get saved again. You've already been saved. You may need to have your feet washed, not literally, but spiritually speaking. And then those of you who've never met Christ, 
your life will never change until you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Joining a church is a good thing, but it won't change your life. Joining Jesus. Only Jesus can take you out of a cesspool and make you clean again. Would you bow your heads with me? What do we do when people think we're crazy for following Christ? Well, in addition to recognizing their view toward us and the reasons why, we must retain a vision of them and what will happen if they fail to embrace the truth of salvation in Christ. And we remember the victory that is in store for us, that though we may be judged by man, we may live with God in the Spirit. We appreciate you joining us for the Southcrest Live podcast with Dr. David Wilson and hope that you'll join us again for next week's message.